The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you comfortable discussing money and your personal wealth? If not, where would you start? Is it money and your family, money and charitable contributions, or business and personal wealth? This is Conversations with Money, featuring your hosts, Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. Our show is about real people talking about money. You will develop a better understanding about your conversations with money and also hopefully develop some new habits to make conversations about money easier. Now, here is Franco and Marissa. Welcome, you're listening to Conversations with Money, and I am your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I'm your host, Marissa Sepulinski. This show is to challenge ourselves on how we think about money, what holds us back in building wealth. And wealth, I should add, can mean many things to different people. And how's it in our, in our daily lives, you know, that, that we make decisions you know, if we take uh, take a look at making decisions on a very basic level, such as what should I eat today, or or even taking a look at, you know, buying a car. How do we make decisions towards buying a car? Even even larger decisions, even on, you know, investing in a real estate or investing in a business. Mm-hmm. How it is in our daily lives? How you feel about money? I think I think a large component of what we want to look at is all the emotion and the meaning that we place on money, what we make money mean if we have it, if we don't have it, and, and how that plays into our ability or limitations around building wealth. Now, Marissa, you know just what you're talking about there. Um, where do you think, where do you think challenges start or or begin when we're we're looking at uh, making decisions towards money? Well, I mean, I think this is this is a deeper conversation, but I think this is where it all goes back to the meaning that we place on money, which is something that comes from usually in most of my experience of working with people years and years ago, their people's childhood. They might have heard when they were three, their mom and dad fighting about money and the mom says, oh, it's all about the money or the husband, something about money. And then mom and dad fought about money. And now all of a sudden... 40 years later, that individual is still having conflicts and issues building wealth, and they don't necessarily realize that it, ha- it stemmed from a very chi- young and childhood experience. Mm-hmm. It is amazing as, as we get older, you know, we, we don't realize what uh, walls or roadblocks that, uh, that we put within our mind uh, until we actually become adults or, or um, having to come up with, with making a decision on on investing or, or even a simple decision such as, you know, should I buy this shirt or not? Mm-hmm. It, uh, it's quite amazing that, uh, that over time things do get built up within ourselves that, that become roadblocks, mm-hmm. that really become challenges towards building wealth. Mm-hmm. I think this is why we need to talk about it. Right. This is why we need <laughs> to get intimate with our money. We need to tear apart our beliefs, our thoughts, our myths on money. 
what is that root belief that we have on money? I still, I've met people that still think that money is the root of all evil, and you can hear it in their undertone, in their, in their words, in the way they talk about money. They might have, again, heard something when they were young and taken that their whole life, and now all of a sudden, years later, they're still failing at making ends meet, and they're constantly living paycheck to paycheck, just struggling, and they don't even realize that their struggle is largely caused by their inability to shift their perspective. Mm-hmm. It's a perspective shift. It's the meaning that we place on money. Well, if you want to get in on this conversation, uh, you can check us out and, and go to Twitter. And our Twitter handle is at your money matters. Our website is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Or you can uh, check us out on, on Facebook at uh, Capital Core Financial. We encourage you also to phone in. We want to talk to you. We want to uh, get in touch with you and, and answer any questions that you may have. And there's a toll-free number, and that is 1-866-472-5790. And if you don't feel like getting personal and calling in just yet, we understand. You can also email us at info at capitalcorefinancial.com. So, Marissa, why is it critical to have a conversation uh, about money? Well, I mean, I think it's a critical conversation because people are sabotaging relationships, their health, their overall well-being. I did a presentation recently and I looked at the statistics of the effects on our health and depression and uh, suicide rates, relationships, and, and it was 50% of divorces were caused around issues on money. Wow, that's really high. And it was increased depression. It was increased psychosis. It was increased drug dependence. It was all these numbers that were not because of the money. It wasn't the money was causing it. It was all the meaning and the stress that people had around it. So I think this is a discussion that we need to have. I think this is is something people need to look at, is how their issues around money is affecting their health, their relationships, just your overall state of well-being. Mm-hmm. I I worked with somebody who, she was married for 46 years. They were married for 46 years. And he had, at at one point or another, accumulated, started to accumulate some debt. And it got so bad to the point where he he was embarrassed about it. He couldn't tell her. He felt like he should know better. And he didn't share with his wife. And it created a communication barrier. And they ended up divorcing after 46 years of marriage because of money issues. 46 years of marriage. So how do you how do you talk to your spouse or partner about money? I mean, because for myself, mm-hmm. you know, being married for well, how many years now? Eleven years. <laughs> Eleven years. And one one thing that uh, that we did uh, probably a few years after we got married is, is we we chose a day in those Saturday, and we would I would make uh, us cappuccinos and we sit down at the kitchen table, and. We made sure that we talked about the bills. We talked about mm-hmm. the money. We talked about our goals. And it took time. Like in the very beginning, it was very, very difficult because we were used to that. We, I, I had, you know, I grew up where my father took care of everything. My mother 
she didn't know what the bills were, didn't take care of the household mm-hmm. expenses. And so I came with that, and I, I thought that's what I had to do. And so it took a while. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy, but it took a while to, to really understand how to communicate with my wife. And right. I can say now, it's, it's like clockwork. It just works. It's efficient. It flows. I know. It always sounds fun. You tell me about these mornings where you do budgeting and you make your latte. I almost want to come over for a lot. Yeah, you're more than welcome. More than welcome. <laughs> you know, it, it has become quite a fun process. But, but actually now... We are. We do it on our own too. We we do our own budgeting, but we come together now more on major decisions. Like a, our roof needs to be replaced now, so we have to plan towards that. But it takes time. So, but why is it hard? Why is it difficult to to have that conversation with a partner or yeah, a spouse? You know, I think I think there's a lot of people walking around with the belief like. They should know better. I mean, 75% of Canadians are in debt and 80% of Americans. Wow, so funny. if you think about it, and I think a lot of us have a lot of, there's so much meaning around that. I, I, I shouldn't be in debt. I should know better, especially for men in my experience. Sorry to <laughs> throw the men under the bus here. But a lot of men that I've worked with, as soon as they disclose the debt, there's a lot of issues around I'm a guy. I should know how to take care of my, should t- I'm, you know, from a very primitive level, I should be able to take care of my wife. I should not be here. And there's a lot of embarrassment and shame around it. And the more embarrassment and shame that comes with that, the more secretive it becomes. And you know what it's like when you let something fester inside and the more you let it fester and you don't talk about it, the more stressed out you get. Right. So I think that we've perpetuated this society where people are walking around with this like, Ugh, crap, what did I do? Or I should know better uh-huh. belief and not talking about it. Uh-huh. I, I think it's just, it's an uncomfortable discussion. And I, I think it's taking the first step of having the conversation and just saying, I want making the decision to have the conversation and it just starting. I've worked with so many people where it's like the first time that they finally look at it. I've seen full breakdowns and tears and hives and everything. It's just like these these thoughts had been accumulating for years inside them. But once you get through that initial conversation and the communication is started, it's like it's open. And you can now you're now you now have the possibility to start building communication and build to what you and your wife have and sitting around and it's just a normal conversation on a Saturday right. morning. But but you need to take that first step. Well, let, let, let me uh, throw this in here. What What do you think one should do if your spouse or partner lies about money? Divorce them. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Walk out. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, no. Um. <laughs> okay, I wasn't expecting that, but um, I know. No, I'm kidding. Okay, that's if that's a very lie. quick and easy answer. <laughs> no, I All mean. All right, I, the show's done. Yeah. So. You and no. I have very different opinions here. No, clearly, clearly, that's not the solution. And you know, we worked with you know my client who, after 46 years of marriage, ended up divorcing. That wasn't. We got involved afterwards, and of course, I would never have recommended walking away or divorcing uh, simply because of that. I think it's, what was the question, what do I say to do? I mean, I think it's a matter of opening the conversation, just becoming okay with where, with where you're at and being honest. It's like in a relationship, in a partnership, you talk about you talk about, you know, all of your, what you want and your goals and all these things. A lot of people now, especially everybody with their vision boards, I want these things and they build these beautiful goals. But for some reason, nobody talks about the pieces that are limiting them 
to achieve those things? Right. What is going on? Like, how are you earning these things? It's great that you can build a beautiful vision board with all these pretty things, but why are we not earning it? And why are we not talking about what's stopping us from accumulating that wealth, that goal, whatever that looks like for you? Those are the conversations that I want to have. But they're very difficult, aren't they? You know, it's 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 not easy because you know as as we grow up, and I think a lot of families um, or a lot of people would agree with this that uh, it's not a conversation that we have with our parents as we grow up. Yeah, it's um, it's not something we're learned. Like we're not taught in school uh, how to have these conversations. We're not taught a financial one hundred and one as children, and and money is a tool. It's a currency of exchange by definition. Mm -hmm. That's how many. People, if you walk around thinking, I've asked people before in meetings, what do you, what's your first thought? Money, love, security, greed, debt, uh, you know, so many options, freedom. There's a whole bunch of meaning that we place on it. No one has ever said to me, oh, it's a currency of exchange. Oh, it's a tool. Right. Actually, no, I did have a few people come back because it's a tool. That's really the way to look at it. It's a currency of exchange that's a tool that enables you to achieve those goals that you put on the vision board, whatever that might look like. We want to remind everybody again that uh, you can follow us uh, on Twitter at uh, Your Money Matters. You can check out our website, which is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. Or also go on Facebook at uh, Capital, Capital Core Financial. Financial. <laughs> and uh, I believe that uh, we also have a, a gift for, for everybody as they go to, to Facebook. We're going to be entering into a break here. Uh, and once again, you can call us on our toll-free number, which is 1-866-472-5790. We encourage people to call in with questions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our wall. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it'll be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. For 27 years, KidStar has empowered thousands of kids across the country. And now we have the opportunity to empower children around the world. KidStar is announcing a new radio show called Voyage Earth. Voyage Earth will empower kids from across the world. And we need your help. KidStar has created a Kickstarter campaign just for this new undertaking. By pledging to Kickstarter, you pledge for a future of empowered people to come. My name is Harmony Hagedorn. And I'm Angel Ramirez. From the Angel and Harmony Show on Voice America Kids. Kidstar, we empower kids. 
We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1-866-472-5790. Again, that's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to info at CapitalCoreFinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. And we're back, and uh, hopefully you went over to our Facebook uh, page, and uh, we're able to download our gift to you. We have our first question. And the question is from Sonia and she says, I bought my first car at 19 and I've been without for 22 years. I can't seem to make a decision to either purchase or lease a new car. What are your suggestions? Great question. I mean, the yeah, I'll, I'll let you go on this, but the uh, purchase or lease question. Well, I, I think it's probably the question here is not on do I purchase or lease. It, it sounds like the question is why am I having such a hard time making decisions? Because in this particular person, 22 Sonia, years. Interesting. 22 years, so first car 19, <laughs> I haven't purchased a car in 22 years. That's a long time to It is a long time. And to make a decision. Well, if you take a look at that, I mean, why would it take 22 years? What's the hesitation? Because these are the questions I would ask Sonia is, what is the hesitation? Mm-hmm. What is the block? Mm-hmm. What is the, what's coming up for, for Sonia that is causing her to not make a decision? And it sounds like it's fear. Because fear alone. Well, I think a lot of us, and I mean to defend Sonia, I think a lot of us walk around thinking, what if I make the wrong decision? So instead of but making it's just a car. any, de- so we make no decision, which is a decision. Right. But yeah, it's just a car. But I mean, you can tokenize it. It could be just a home. It could be just a car. It could be just a shirt. So I think, I think that's something we see a lot is, oh, it's been five years. I remember I've worked with people who, who've spent years leaving money sitting in a, in a bank account at 0.025% because they couldn't decide what, how to invest the money. And, you know, you show them 10 years down the road how much money they lost because they made no decision. So I think it's common. You, you, work, you meet people all the time that are afraid to make the wrong decision. So should we get back to her question? Well, let, 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 <laughs> well, Sonia, if you're if you're listening, still listening, I'd like to ask you this: When you're you're ninety, and uh, sorry to sound morbid here, but uh, if you're ninety and you're about to die, and will you look back? Will you contemplate and congratulate yourself for being cautious and and not fully understanding what's holding you back? Because when, when we're looking at that, and, and if you look at the bigger picture of it, is it, is it really is, is it really just buying a car? Like if you take a look at buying a car at the end of the day, these, this is a depreciating asset. If you look at it from a financial perspective, it's a depreciating asset. It's just metal and, and components and gears and, and rubber and everything else that goes into making a car. So you're 90 and you look back, you go, wow, why was this such a hard decision? We would challenge you. I would challenge you to really look at what's causing you not 
to make that next step in buying a car. Because buying or leasing, I mean, that could be relatively simple. Mm -hmm. It's just numbers. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's an important point to at least comment on is that those are numbers which can be calculated in terms of what makes more decision what makes a better decision financially based on what type of income you take, how you take your income, what type of structure you're in, what's your tax bracket, et cetera. If you have the ability to write off the payment, if it's a lease, I think there, there's that, that's a, a number calculation, and and you know that's not a difficult one to go through in order to make that decision. I do think you have a good point, Franco, in that it would be good to look at how the way you're approaching making this decision is similar to the way you make other decisions in your life. Right, because if, if, if you are stuck on buying a car, now imagine trying to buy a house or trying to make a decision on an investment. Yeah, I mean... Because it can be quite limiting. If, and and it, it could be even, even looking at simple decisions on... Should I take a, a vacation? It may, some people it may not be simple, but do I take a vacation? Or as you stated, keeping money in an account that's mm-hmm. earning yeah. 0.25% where you could be earning a much higher return. I mean, that's quite limiting. Because if you take a look at, at wealth and, and, and how it's built in wealth, and this definition can mean different things to, to many different people. If you're to go on the street and, and ask that simple question, what does wealth mean to you? You're going to have a, a multitude of, of answers to it. And so how we build it really stems down to and how we make decisions. Mm-hmm. The more complex the decision is, obviously, there's more thought that goes behind it. But if, if, if we're stuck, if we can't make a decision on buying a car, how greater Mm-hmm. Can we be stuck on those much larger decisions? Mm-hmm. And Sonia, hopefully you know we're trying. Our purpose here isn't to be like, you know, uh, make the way you make decisions bad or anything like that. It's really a matter of looking at the deeper issue than the car. I think the only way if you're working at building wealth, which you obviously are, you know, you're, you're tuning in, you're listening, you're trying to figure out what the best next step is for you. So you obviously are doing your, you know, research. I think the, the the important next step is to make sure that you're clear on that purchase decision process that you do take and not so much, you know, and that's why I'm always leery to give people next steps is to starting a investment account at this or an RSP or a tax-free savings account. It's, we need to look at the emotional side of what goes into our, our purchase decisions before we address the actual issue of leasing and financing or renting versus owning, uh, you know, vacation or to not vacation, did I earn it? Well, why do you feel, you know, entitled to the vacation? Or why do you feel entitled to the car? Or why do you feel scared to make a decision? So I just want to let you know, that's why we're digging a little bit deeper. The issue is never the surface level question. It's the only way to really build that wealth and what's stopping us, I think, in, in regards to what you were talking about, Franco, about what's stopping us from building that wealth, it's mm-hmm. it's us not looking at that. Right. The pieces that are limiting us to achieve the things we want. Right. It's not really fun to look at, though. I get it. I mean, I was there once. We have all been there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You were there? <laughs> Do you want me to share? Please, yeah. I'm, I'm I was, people you know, listening would love to hear yeah, a little sure. bit about Marissa. Zabalinski. You know, it's funny. I was the kid who played banker, not Barbie. I loved 
the bank. I loved, yeah, I was six years old. I used to go to the bank with my mom and I would take home the little yellow deposit slips. Deposit slips. Yeah, they were the little yellow slips and I could tear off the corner. I and, think the and bank is calling and they want those. I know, I was just wondering, did I just say in public that I lied or stole a part of me? But yes, yeah, so I would take home these little yellow deposit slips. I remember I was six years old. I would move my bed out a foot and I would stand behind it like I was a teller. I would make my sister come in. She was a year older than me. She would come in and I, we'd exchange fake Monopoly dollars and I'd have her sign off on the little this slip that I would take home from the bank and I would tear it off. And I really thought I was managing a bank at the mere age of six. <laughs> <laughs> and I followed the passion into adulthood and started as a financial advisor 12 years ago. And I learned how to make some money, understood money, I, and then I spent more money. And I very quickly learned to like nice things. And all of a sudden, poof, I was in debt. It, re it really actually wasn't very all of a sudden. It was a series of spending decisions that I had made over a period of time and chose not to think I needed to budget or to track or to measure because I thought I understood. I thought I knew better and I, you know, I was helping others with money. I know this stuff. So there I was. Marissa, yeah? what do you mean by measure? A measure like track and budget and all the fun stuff that nobody looks at as fun. Mm -hmm. No one... <laughs> If you tell me that I can go and spend a bunch of money and not look at it versus open all the bills, sit there, analyze, what's the interest rate? How is it compounding? You know, tearing apart every every debt I have, tearing apart every how I make my spending decisions, budgeting, writing down every grocery I spend. Do you really think that I would walk around making those impulse purchases at Whole Foods and, and like the little store on the way home or whatever it might be if I had to write it all down and show it to somebody? Probably not. So... So when when you start to measure, if you don't mind uh, mm -hmm. me asking more questions about your personal life, when you start to measure, <laughs> what difference did that make? Well, I mean, I think that was, it was, once I, it, it took me also, also you should know that when I found myself in debt, from the point of getting into debt to the point of deciding to start measuring and realizing that that's what I needed to do, there was a very distinct period of time where I, it was almost like an identity crisis. I thought I was my debt. And it was just all this negative self-talk of, oh, I'm so stupid. How did I get here? And it was just this embarrassment and shame because I really felt like I should know better. So I get it. And that's why when I, I mean, it, the good thing is it gives me the opportunity to really be compassionate and be empathetic when we work with people and you hear it because you hear it in in tones all the time. People talk about their budget or how they made a decision. They look down, oh, it was a stupid decision. It was impulsive, whatever it might be. But once I got over all of the negative self-talk, and I remember a very distinct point thinking, when I got through that, I had to help others with this problem. I had to help others understand the importance in tracking, budgeting, living within their means, and help people really change their frame of mind and their meaning on money. It was, it was simply sitting down, tracking, looking at money in, money out. You know, it's no different than calories in, calories mm -hmm. out, money in, money out. Are you eating more than you're, than you're burning? Are you spending more than you're earning? And if you are, I mean, why? How, you can only do that for so long until it becomes a problem. Right. Now, the reference uh, to burning calories, uh, Marissa <laughs> is uh, a, a runner. She <laughs> runs a lot. So, <laughs> uh, Marissa, we have another email with a question. Um, Marissa, if we can read that there. Sure. So this is from Jeanette. 
what is the best way of paying off maxed out credit cards? Mm-hmm. I pay more than the minimum amount, but they don't seem to go down. Do you have some type of formula? Oh, that's an interesting question. You always yeah, see those bills where it says, if you pay the minimum payment, this will be paid off in 72 years. Right. I, so I can relate. I've seen those bills. <laughs> well, it's a good, definitely a great question. Uh, credit card debt uh, is so prevalent in, in our society. You know, a formula. Really, the simple formula is not to spend more than what we earn. But in today's society, it could be very difficult, especially with the, the, the costs that continue to go up year after year. And uh, here in Vancouver, housing costs or living costs are quite high. And so we can totally understand that uh, at times uh, credit cards are a necessity. But if we take a look at how do we get out of debt, I can just share with you my own personal story. Oh, now it's your turn. <laughs> oh, sorry. Well, absolutely. Well, you know, I thought I was the only one that was going to look like they've experienced You didn't play Barbies. Financial. I played Barbies. No, I'm kidding. No, that wasn't me. No, yeah, but, I was but, a good teller. I was a good banker. I was sick. <laughs> <laughs> well, for me, it was uh, the year that I was uh, getting married, so in 2003, and uh that year, um, I didn't tell my wife uh, or fiance at the time, but I was in over twenty thousand dollars. She knows this credit. now, right? Well, of course, I'm she knows she's now. Going to hear this? She, I don't know if she's listening. Surprise! Right <laughs> now, now you know. Um, it's but a safe way to tell her. Over <laughs> over, the over radio. twenty thousand dollars of credit card debt and an interest rate of you know nineteen point nine nine percent. So I made a conscious decision that I would did not want to get into the marriage with this amount of debt because I felt it was my responsibility. Can I, I'm just curious actually, cause yeah. I've never asked you this before and now that you're sharing this. Um, how did you feel when, when you were at that point, when you were in that, in that debt and not communicating it? Well, I'll tell you before it was normal. Mm-hmm. It had become such a, um, a normal thing for me as part of my life. The debt be- Became part of my life. Mm-hmm. It was just normal. And I talked to my friends, family, and they were in debt. Mm-hmm. So it was normal. I said 75 to 80% of people are in debt. Right. So now, once I made a decision, and that decision was I did not want to bring that to my marriage. Mm-hmm. And I guess probably the, the important uh, threshold that I crossed over was I, I made a decision mentally. And then I emotionally connected with it. Right. And then within nine months, I paid it all off. I didn't Can make I more money. I yeah. don't, I just yeah. for a second. Go ahead. I'm good at that. <laughs> when you say <laughs> you emotionally, <laughs> when you say you emotionally connected with it, do, can you just elaborate on that? What you mean? Like, I think a lot of people. This is where the this right. is where we enter into a bit of a problem. Is a lot of people fail to to connect with it emotionally. Absolutely. Well, they stop at the judgment, they, they, right? Absolutely. It, for me, I felt embarrassed, to be honest. Okay. I felt embarrassed that I was going to bring this into the marriage. And I felt embarrassed that 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 I had this. Right. You're and, supporting my hypothesis on, so, on men feeling like they should well, absolutely, be, yeah, able should be able to take care of and, and be better right. as a husband. And Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think that most men would, would feel that way. But... But uh, I could be generalizing there. But for for me, I, I did not want to to bring that into the marriage. I wanted to keep it fresh. Mm-hmm. And, and 
for many people, once you get into that point, that, that decision making, I've seen this over 16 years of working with thousands of people, that once they make that emotional decision that they do not want this any longer in their life, it becomes a little bit easier. The hard part then is then paying it down, not mm -hmm. continuing. I had to cut things out mm -hmm. to pay off over $20,000. I didn't have a salary increase. I didn't win the lottery. I didn't uh, have any savings to cash out. So it came from what I had at that moment, mm -hmm. which was what my ability to earn money. So I cut out as much as I possibly can because there, there is an entitlement that we, that we tend to have that I need to have the cable TV, I need to have the cell phone, I need to have the, the internet. Oh, for sure. For sure. I, I, you feel like you should, you know, I've earned those things. I should be able to go on this vacation. We've all had, I think we've all had that vacation where you go on and you haven't fully, you know that the debt or the bill is at home and you haven't opened it and you just left and then you spend half the vacation feeling like you didn't really earn the vacation and it doesn't feel as good as actually earning the vacation, going on the vacation and enjoying it and being present. And, and, and with that too, I, I want to add, you got to know your numbers. Yeah. You got to know your numbers. You got to know what you earn and you have to know what you're spending. Yeah. And, and in regards to even the max credit cards, do you know, you know, let's say you have five credit cards all maxed out. Do you have it written down 18,000, 19.99%. The interest is compounded semi-annually, annually, monthly. How is the interest compounded? That changes it. You could have the same amount of debt at the same interest rate and one is interest is compounding daily versus one is interest compounding annually you want to hit the interest compounding daily first. So there's different things to be aware of in terms of paying off all of your maxed out credit cards, but do you have all of those numbers in front of you? Right. Do you have it clearly written out? Because when you have it written out, and that's what I did oh, actually, yeah. I had a list, Yeah. I, I started paying off the one that, that uh, had uh, the highest interest rate yeah. and the, the smallest amount of numbers, and then celebrate each time you pay a card off. Yeah, yeah. Celebrate that. That's such an important thing to do. You want to make this human. You want to make this real. You want to feel good about what you're doing because each time you pay off a credit card, it's a victory. So you want to celebrate it. Yeah, and I mean, I think the part about having it in front of you and having it written out is is a very important piece that a lot of us miss. We just think we know the debt's mm -hmm. there, the bill's there. A lot of us don't even open the envelopes. You need to have it in your consciousness. You need to have it in your, you know, in your mind as something that you want to tackle. And, and I think putting the numbers out clearly in front of you, it's the, the only way to get ahead. Make sure you have all of those numbers with a plan and then and you just hit them down one by one, highest interest rate, the one that's costing you the most, just start knocking them down. And it's funny, you, you know, you made that comment about me running, but going back to that, it's the only way I ever saw improvements in my running and, and you know, running ultra marathons and having a lot of experience with distance running was tracking, was measuring, mm. going out and doing, doing workouts that my coach gave me, you know, and measuring, writing down the numbers to have a baseline to figure out where I'm at, where I want to go and how am I going to get there? I needed a plan. Right. I didn't just wake up and run 250 kilometers or across Costa Rica, and that was a fun race. <laughs> just like that, there was a plan, and there was a lot of a lot of tracking and measuring, and you know, in the health world, budgeting. But isn't that the hard part? Because I find that 
to get to that point, once you've made that decision that you're going to start tracking and measuring, the top part then is to be consistent. Yeah. For and sure. Consistent, consistent. Because we get, I mean, sometimes you're just like, I don't want to do it. But that, that's the only way that you can ever really get something done is that there's persistency and a consistency. And it's doing it day in and day out. You know, for I've done, when I've tried to change my muscles or group, like muscle in terms of doing something, you do it every day for 30 days or 60 days, however many days it takes to say 30 days to build a new habit. However many days until it just becomes mindless and you just do it. Like you said, you and your wife now just do budgeting, and it's not an issue. I get, I get, get excited. excited. I, I, get excited. <laughs> I know you I do. I know you do. Can I say I get excited about budgeting? <laughs> I am a self-confessed. I, I, <laughs> I appreciate that. Budget and, nerd. And you know what? I enjoy going home after I do my run and writing out my numbers now. Once upon a time, I didn't like looking at that. I didn't like looking at speeds and tracking fuel and tracking in, in and out of the calories and all that stuff, but measuring everything, every little bit. I remember once that there was a point where I was measuring every single calorie I put in and everything single calorie I put out. It was the only way to really understand where I was at. I've heard stories that you hit <laughs> that you hit fish in your okay. jacket Don't pockets get into that. just because you, you measured Let's how much protein to Jeanette. So Jeanette. you needed. <laughs> we want to thank you for your question because you opened up quite a dialogue of conversation. So thank you, Jeanette. Uh, and thank you, definitely. Send <laughs> you like those emails. Um, just to remind everybody to follow us on Twitter at Your Money Matters, uh, to go into our websites, and there's actually a video on our website that you can see who Marissa and I are, uh, and that is www.capitalcorefinancial.com. I feel like you're saying that too fast. Capitalcorefinancial.com. Is that too slow? Thank you. <laughs> I appreciate that, I Marissa. I don't want them to miss it because then they don't know because you said it too fast. I think you're too far away from the mic. I think you need to get closer. <laughs> Okay, and uh, you can also check us out on Facebook uh, at, uh, sorry, Capital Core Financial. And just a reminder again, the toll-free number is one 472 5790 And email, Marissa? Is info at Capital Core Financial. And we encourage com. everybody to phone in and also email us. Sorry, did I, did I interrupt you no, while you were saying email that's address there? <laughs> We're going to be going into oh, a break, break here. We'll check you on the other side. Check you uh, on in the three other side. minutes. <laughs> Enjoy. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. 
Now there's a new destination for video content, VoiceAmerica.tv, just like our radio channels and so much more. Voice America Variety, Health and Wellness, Business, Sports, Green Talk, Power Up Motorsports, and 7th Wave Network now have their own video channel components. Plus, check out exclusive programming, including movies, music, educational courses, science and history, current events, and short features. High-definition, premier-quality programs available 24-7, VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. Listening to Conversations with Money with Franco Calagiri and Marissa Sipolinski. To reach our show today, please call 1 866 472 5790. Again, that's 1 866 472 5790. You may also send an email to info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, back to Conversations with Money. And we are back. Welcome uh, back. And I'm Franco Caligiuri. Good thing there's no video that they can't see me dancing to that music. And Marissa Sepulhensky. Marissa. Welcome back. Unfortunately, I can see you dancing. <laughs> you uh, We encourage you. We, we, you had that toll-free number there, uh, which, once again, is one 472 We encourage you to call in with any questions that you may have or also send us an email. Once again, that's info at capitalcorefinancial.com. Now, Marissa, I want to talk about and continue to talk about what uh, mm-hmm. we were discussing before the break, mm-hmm. and and that's budgeting. Mm-hmm. I think it's such an important uh, Good old point measurement. Very measuring. I mean, you, you definitely brought up a, a great uh, story on, on how you measure with racing. I want to ask this question. Uh-huh. What is the ripple effect of not knowing your budget numbers? And I, and I need to say this. I mean, budget, when you say the word budget, many people cringe. I see it on their face. Oh, yeah, you see, see it in their, in their faces. You, you see it in their tone. They look down. They swallow. They avoid eye contact. You see people every day at the, when we bring it up in meetings. Um, what's the ripple effect? That's an interesting question. Because there, there, there is a ripple effect yeah, in the decision that we make. And another thing that I think is important to recognize, which I didn't realize when I was, you know, starting off, you know, 12 years ago, is... The importance, it, it, this is, budgeting isn't just something to do when you're not making a lot of money and you're struggling. It's a proactive thing. Not a, Ideally, you know, unfortunately we do use it oftentimes as a reactive thing. But it's something that needs to happen for everybody across the board. You know, I've, I've met with billionaires that understand the importance in tracking and still do it even though they're earning billions of dollars. That's generally how they got there is they understand every dollar that comes in and every dollar that goes out and they have it down very, very, you know, distinctly and clearly. I think a lot of us think, oh, I'm making money, so I don't need to budget. No, that's not the case at all. And that's how, like I said, I got myself into a situation where I was living outside my means as I was not tracking and I felt like, well, I'm earning money. I should be fine. Um, What is the ripple effect to your question? Um, It's huge. I mean, it plays into 
everything in our lives. Generally, the stage in my life where I was choosing not to track, not to measure, not to budget, that was a pattern that I was doing everywhere in my life. And I think it's easy for us to, you know, jump in on how did that affect your financial situation? The bigger question is how did that affect your overall life? Like how was that affecting my health? How was that affecting my weight? How was that affecting my fitness goals? How was that affecting my relationship? Every single thing I did and I chose, you know, that whole I won't look at the bill or I won't look at the numbers, that pattern was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And and it was it was stopping me from really hitting my goals. You know, it was, I was that, I was that person. I remember after the secret came out and people made fun of, oh, now there's a bunch of people with vision boards, but no plan. People just think they can manifest it by just, you know, thinking or what have you. I'm not throwing out, the secret was a great movie. Don't get me wrong. I love it. But you need to have a plan now of action. There's an action plan. There's not just a board with this picture. And if I stare at it, I'm going to, I'm going to create it. (laughs) And I think that's an important part on on understanding the numbers and the budgeting. It's now we've got the numbers and now we build a plan. So the ripple effect is huge. It's huge. I mean, it's what causes us or limits us from achieving every goal, not just our financial goals. Marissa, we have a, a caller. Oh. Sorry to uh, interrupt <laughs> you there, but uh, we have a, a caller. Okay. All right. And the caller is Meryl. Hi, Meryl. Hi. Hello. Am I Hi. on? You, you are. are. <laughs> the show, Hi. With money. Um, yes, my name is Meryl, and uh, I have Hi, a Meryl. question. <laughs> Hello. Um, I'm really enjoying your show, and um, oh, great. Yeah, I, I have a question for you. I, I'm newly married, and my husband and I, we both keep our our finances very separate, and right. you know that's kind of been working for us. You know up until now and now I see it could you know could potentially be a problem so I wanted to to hear what you thought about that if you had any um, ideas or suggestions mm-hmm. about about couples uh, working together with their finances right Marissa and I both were all yeah. to, to <laughs> you answer all your question once, I'll let no you go ahead, go ahead. No, no. ladies first oh well now you're just being too kind I, I do have a question Meryl is is this do you guys have any discussions? Like, have you shared with yeah, each we other? Do. We do. Yeah, we definitely, it's all out on the table. We, and we know what each other's financial situation is, but we don't have any joint accounts or anything like that. Okay. Mm. Yeah, and, and, and actually, what you just brought up there, in, in 16 years of working with people, I found, I found that the most successful couples, and i got to see if there's any research on this, but the most successful couples, when they actually have a joint account, when they have accounts, bank accounts that are shared, they tend to be more successful in their finances. And it's it's an amazing statistic and, and it's one where what I've concluded is you're you're forced to, to discuss the money. And it's not this is mine, this is yours. It's ours. Mm-hmm. And when it's ours it's a different discussion. It's not about, well, I'm going to make a decision on this independently. And right. just let you know, my wife and I, we we did that for a long time where it was, well, I got this goal, I got that goal. And it wasn't until I finally realized, I realized that for us to be a partnership, a par- yeah, right. it became a partnership, our goals. our goals. Right. 
Yeah. And it changed. And, and, it and feels very different to it me. It really does. It's like when I try on the idea of living in a home and my partner and I not connecting and sharing and building towards our goals as like one common entity versus the two of us working together with that one goal and that action plan together as a team. Oh my God, that feels so much stronger. Hmm. But what do you think, I'm curious, Meryl, what do you think has stopped you until now to have that discussion? Like, why are you not, I mean, you're calling us, so you're obviously, you're obviously, you know, curious and interested in wanting to make change. What's stopping you from sitting down with your partner and saying, let's, let's talk about this. Let's look at this. Where are you at? You know, how do you feel about money? Is this, uh, well, is this a I conversation? I, feel, I still, I think I'm, I can relate with what you're saying. I think we, I feel like I have my own independent goals and I think I'm scared to sort of um, put them both together because I still want to accomplish what I want to mm. accomplish and I want to kind of keep track of that in a way. Right. You know, and, and what you're just sharing there, it, um, we, we want to make sure that, that, and this is why the show is so important. We feel it's so important, you know, it's conversations that we have about money within ourselves and with other people. You can still accomplish those goals mm-hmm. independently. But as a partnership, as being together, it's mm-hmm. that much, like I say, it's that much stronger. It's been amazing for myself and my wife and I, where we've been able to accomplish our independent goals because we are together. We're unified. We don't need to think about the finances. We only need to be concerned, worried about the the money. Well, and it plays into, sorry to interrupt, but I do that so well. I just thought I would. It plays into other aspects of the relationship. Like I remember once not being on the same page as my partner and not having the conversation and finding myself making judgments when he would make impulsive purchases that you know, weren't benefiting me in some way or shape or form, but yet he had no money to pay for other things. And I found myself slowly making judgments on, you know, his purchase decisions. And rather than just saying, what's going on here? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, it took me, it took me quite a while of the, of the internal dialogue, which played out everywhere in our relationship. Do you think I want to just like start, you know, doing whatever with him when I'm like, oh, he's spending his money on stupid things. It doesn't make me feel very like close to him, and definitely not want to jump in him or anything like that. <laughs> well, Meryl, Meryl, do you do you have uh, kids? Oh, uh, we don't. We don't have kids now, but we are expecting in June. Oh, congratulations! Thank you. Oh, that's great. Congratulations. That's great. Yeah, nice. twins. Well, one, one thing to tw- twins. Wow, that's fantastic. Oh, that's going to be a definitely a handful for you. Uh, but one thing to think about is what values, what money values do you want to pass mm, on to your kids? That's a big one. That's right. a big one. And, you know, what you do now and what you and your, your partner, your spouse talk about and come up with really will transfer down to them. You know, because if you take a look at how many couples or how many people do you know that are, are together actually have a, a financial family plan or a financial fla- family policy statement. Like, how many people actually, as a family... Did you almost say financial plan? <laughs> have have a, basically a, a, a value-based um, document that basically right. is like, this is what we believe in as a family. Yeah, not, but, not um, very many, but Meryl, I know you, of. Yeah. 
No, and, and hopefully, if you were listening, and Meryl, you would have heard how many of our patterns and beliefs as adults in our 30s, 40s, 50s, all the way, are from seeing behaviors that our parents did or had the way they interacted with money when we were maybe three, four, starting to understand relationships, starting to see dynamics. And I'm a lot of, you know, we sit down with people all the time where we see patterns of not understanding the way they're interacting with their money. And we ask them, what's your, you know, what's your first memory of money? What's your, what's your first memory of money? And it all, it always goes back to these experiences with their parents as a very young child. So mm-hmm. I think what Franco's leading to is an important point. The expecting child or children, pardon me, the twins, you want them to feel like money is, you know, a tool. a tool. It's a currency of exchange as we define it. And it's something that mom and dad feel open to discuss, that they grow up feeling open to discuss. Not something that's kept separate, that's, you know, mom and dad are our partners here. And I think if you can probably figure out what's the way that you want your kids to relate, how do you want your kids to relate with money, that will help motivate you to have that conversation with your husband. That'll mo- that should motivate you enough to say, I'm ready to make change. The twins are motivation, maybe. Mary, mm-hmm, we thank definitely. you for, uh, for calling in. We really appreciate uh, the call. Thank you. Thank you. That was very helpful. Yeah. Thank Thanks, Meryl. Well, we're coming up uh, to the to the end of uh, the show today, and you know we, we covered a lot, and hopefully you got a little insight into who we are and what conversations with money is about. And we thank everybody that uh, wrote in by email and also called into the show today. Our goal with the show, go ahead, is to really go deeper with money. We don't want to make this a, you know, this is your tool, this is your sheet, this is your budgeting sheet, which we can provide, and we will probably provide over time, and we'll hand out some tools and resources over the, over all of the social media and, and our site, but we want to go deeper. We want to dig deeper to deal with the root issues, to start looking and having those uncomfortable conversations that we're not having right now. We want to get intimate with our money. So don't forget to follow us on our website, uh, which is www.capitalcorefinancial.com or follow us on Twitter at Your Money Matters or check us out on Facebook at, uh, sorry, Capital Core Financial. <laughs> you can give our individual. <laughs> <laughs> Get a bunch um, of friend requests. <laughs> <laughs> right, Capital Core Financial. So I'm your host, Franco Caligiuri. And I'm your host, Marissa Sepulinski. And you've been listening to Conversations with Money. Tune in next week as we'll continue to cover a topic about money and... Get intimate with money. Get intimate with money. I love that. Go deeper, right? (laughs) So you've been listening again to Conversations with Money. Thank you again. Thank you for tuning in this week. Please join Franco Caligiuri and Marissa Sipolinski again for another edition of Conversations with Money next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wealthy week. Thanks 
again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 